How many like emojis? I do, because I never really know what to say, but I can sure type a whole lot of emojis, right? It helps me in my uh, language gaps sometimes. Before we get started, I want to remind you of a few things. Compassion, if you haven't received one of these cards, please pick one up on your way out. It is coming, uh, Compassion 2022. We as a church here in Medina are going to serve together at Medina High School May 14th at 10 a.m. I will have garbage bags there, and uh, we're just going to clean up the campus. We've done that before, and they appreciated it highly. Probably only take us an hour, hour and a half, but I need you to sign up online so I know you're coming uh, to do that. Also, as a part of that, today when you leave, you're going to get a uh, paper grocery sack. We've done this before. Those of you that haven't, You'll take that home, fill it with uh, home essential items, and there's a list on the bag to bring back here over the next two weeks, and you'll receive those as you leave this morning. And as you heard Henry say on the introduction video, new to Northside is today. It's only about 10 minutes long. We'll meet right here in this little room. Haven't done this for a long while here at Northside Medina, but I'll just share an overall picture of what Northside Christian Church is about, our philosophy, uh, where we're headed, and you can ask questions if you wish at that time about Northside. Then over the next three weeks, our Connect class will be happening. Uh, every week is a different type uh, lesson that you'll receive as to where the church is, doctrinal stances, and, and everything in more depth than what I'll do today. Uh, but that will begin next week at 8.45, again, here in this little room. And I am excited that we now have a place to have a group and a class, right? All right, so next week, 8.45. When our kids were young, we loved to read them books. Um, my wife is a very emotional, as you can imagine, book reader. And we would share with our kids, sometimes we would pick the book out, sometimes they would pick the book out, but every book had the same, same thing, similar in common, and that was, they were make you feel good stories, fairy tales, right? And fairy tales had one thing in common, they all ended with a happily what? Ever after ending. And so you read the story, you know how it's going to go, you know it's going to make them happy, and you know at the end there'll be a happily ever after ending so you don't have to worry. We loved that when we were kids, but as I read those today, with my grandkids, I am tempted to say, mm, that's not how it always is, Right? Kids, this is how this ended, but it doesn't always work out that way. But many people go through life and enter into life thinking everything is going to be happily ever after times. But life doesn't always turn out the way we plan. We don't always, our family doesn't always turn out the way we imagined it to be. Marriages don't always work out the way we thought they would work out. We don't always have the job that we've always dreamed of. Don't make the money that we dreamed we would make one day. 
And so disappointment comes. Discouragement comes. And one of the most convenient places to place blame for that is on God. Is on God. When it comes to our suffering, when it comes to our hurts in life, you fill in the blank. Whether it's a divorce, family member you have issues with, loss of a job, rebellious teen, malignant tumor, unfaithful spouse, on and on it goes. We often find ourselves crying out into frustration, why God? Why me? Why this pain? Why this hurt? And oftentimes, God becomes the first that we blame. Even the insurance companies have a clause for catastrophes they can't explain. They call it an act of who? God. Skeptics of Christianity have a couple of angles that they cling to. One view of this is, is that God's not power enough, powerful enough to help. In recent years, one of the biggest challenges to Christianity is called open theism. Open theism argues that the reason bad things happen to us is because God doesn't know the future. Therefore, God can't prevent what might happen to us and hurt us in the future. And of course, that leaves us with a God who's not powerful enough to help us. Therefore, God certainly isn't powerful enough to save us. Where's the comfort in that? But as believers, we know that God is all-knowing, God is all-powerful, God is ever-present. The other view is simply that God doesn't care about me. In other words, he can help, but he doesn't. I must not mean that much to him. God is what says God is more interested in the masses than he is about me. But that flies into the face of God knows the very number of hairs on our head. Whereas the Bible said God cares if a sparrow falls to the ground. <laughs> How much more important are you than the bird to God? And when people suffer, especially non-believers though, we can end up blaming God. And I don't think that's really fair to him. Some suffering occurs because of our own sinful choices. If you drink like a fish, you might find out that alcohol damages your liver. If you eat like a pig, you might have a heart problem. If you have the morals of a tomcat, chances are you might have come down with a sexually transmitted disease. What we put into our lives and what we invest in ourselves is ultimately what we become. Galatians 6, 7, and 8, Paul says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he what? Sows. The one who sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Ouch. The one who sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap what? Eternal, Eternal life. Some suffering is caused by the prince of darkness. Satan has some limited powers in this world. This is his domain. Opposing entities like good and evil are present here. The Bible tells us every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of the heavenly lights. But the devil, 
He roams around like a roaring lion seeking to devour, devour, to kill, steal, and destroy. Job 2, 7 shares, So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the top of his head. So he knows Satan has the power to afflict, to hurt. Luke 13, Jesus refers to a crippled woman that he healed, and he says Satan had kept her bound for 13 years. Satan did that. So he knows Satan has the power to afflict our physical health, to cause suffering in our life. Another reason suffering exists is because of the natural laws of a fallen world. People ask all the time, if God loves us, why does he allow hurricanes and earthquakes and tsunamis? We go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve brought sin into the garden and therefore brought sin into the world. When that happened, it knocked the whole world out of sync. It knocked everything out of kilter. As a result... Until the day that Jesus returns and set things right, we're going to experience droughts, floods, heat waves, cold snaps, fire, earthquake, so much for global warming, right? Paul says they're birth pains established in the garden. Romans 8, 19 and through 22 says the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the one who subjected it, in hope that creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. God allows suffering quite simply because God wants us to live in a free world. God loves us to have the freedom to make our own choices. But when we don't handle those well, potential consequences come as a result. And that's exactly what's happened and why suffering exists in our world. The Bible reminds us in Matthew 5, 45, God causes his son to rise on, on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. So there are many rational explanations as to why suffering exists. But I want to change gears because the heart of the matter is why. Why does God still, why does he allow us to hurt? Why does he allow us to suffer? Philip Yancey writes, this is not just an intellectual issue to be debated in sterile academic areas. It's, intense, it's an intensely personal matter that we can tie our emotion, that will tie our emotions into knots and leave us with spiritual vertigo. And some of us have experienced that. What's the verdict then, Jeff? Come on, explain it to me. If God isn't powerful, is it that God's not powerful enough? Is it really that God doesn't care enough about me when I hurt? Neither. I think there's a third option that's huge. 
And I believe it's a reasonable explanation for global and personal suffering. And here it is. There is a greater good that comes out of our suffering. Say it with me. There's a greater good that comes out of our suffering. Paul talks about it in Romans 8. And this will probably be familiar to you, this scripture, because many people quote it, especially when we face struggles and we need hope in this world. The Apostle Paul, Romans 8, 28, read this with me. And we know And if Christianity is a belief system that you and I have bought into, and we believe in this scripture, then we better have an answer when someone says to us, why does God allow suffering? Why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? Why does God allow hurt to happen? Lee Strobel interviewed a Boston College professor and philosopher Peter Kreft, and I love this. He interviewed him on the topic of God and suffering. Kreft said, the difference between us and God is greater than the difference between us and a bear. Imagine a bear in a trap, and a hunter who out of sympathy chooses to free the bear from the trap. He tries to win the bear's confidence, but because he can't do it, he shoots the bear full of tranquilizers. The bear, however, thinks it's being done by the hunter to hurt him, that the hunter's trying to attack him and kill him. He doesn't realize that it's all being done out of compassion. Then in order to get the bear out of the trap, the hunter has to push the bear further in the trap to release the spring to allow him to be free. If the bear was even semi-conscious at that point, he would be convinced that the hunter was an enemy truly out to convince him that he was only out to give him suffering and pain. But the bear would be wrong. He reaches this incorrect conclusion because he's not a human being. Kreft let that illustration soak in for a moment. Now he concluded... How can anyone be certain that this is not an analogy between us and God? I believe God does the same thing to us sometimes, he said. And we can't comprehend why he does it any more than the bear can understand the motivations of the hunter. The bear should have trusted the hunter as we should trust God. You might say, well, I buy into Kreft's illustration, bear illustration at the loss of a job or a aching back, but that's still a jump for me for major catastrophes and life-threatening situations. Well, let me walk you through a little bit more as to why I believe God allows suffering and hurt to happen to us. Number one, I think God disciplines us. God disciplines us. Romans 12, 6 through 7 shares the Lord disciplines those he loves and punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what child is not disciplined by their father? 
The author of Hebrews isn't saying God causes all hardship as discipline. The Christian's supposed to endure that for his glory. So we need to be careful about labeling everything as discipline. It's different levels and different variations of this. John 9 and Luke 13, Jesus clearly warned that not all suffering is a result of sinfulness. So, you know, know, people will say, you know, I've got this disease, I'm hurting this way. And someone will say, well, you need to check your life and see if you're living right or if you've sinned. Or everyone thing doesn't apply to that. But however, God does use it to discipline us as a teaching tool many times. With discipline comes learning. A life without pain is not all it's cracked up to be. We need pain. God needs us to have pain. God needs us to hurt. I learned about this in a big way when I heard about the disease of congenital insensitivity to pain, which is simply a disease that you don't feel pain. You never experience pain. First I heard of it was from Tony Dungy. Tony Dungy, you know, the former head coach of Indianapolis Colts, now an NFL commentator. He's a Christian, a devout believer, and a very, very class act. We spoke at the beginning of a prayer breakfast years ago for the Super Bowl, and he shared about his then five-year-old son, Jordan, who was born with this rare disease, congenital insensitivity to pain. Coach Dungy said, you know, it sounds like it'd be a good thing not to feel pain at all. But for Jordan, it's not a good thing. He says, Jordan loves cookies. He said, my wife will oftentimes bake cookies, and Jordan will come up, open the oven, and reach in with his bare hands and pull out the cookie tray, thus burning his hands and getting blisters and not realizing it even hurt. And then Jordan will take one of the hot cookies and just begin to eat it and get burns and blisters on his tongue because he cannot feel the pain. Coach went on to explain, we've learned a lot from Jordan's insensitivity to pain as to why God allows pain in our lives. First, he said, pain allows us to fear the right things. Then he said, pain lets us know we have a condition that needs to be healed in our hearts. And finally, he shared, sometimes pain is the only thing that turns us back to God. Wow. God uses corrective discipline then, pain and suffering our hurts to turn us back towards our Heavenly Father. Oftentimes when people are running crazy and their lives are out of control and no counsel helps No advice helps trying to get them back into church, into worship, and connected to God. I'll oftentimes pray, God, let them hit a wall. Don't take them, Lord, but let them hit a wall that's so devastating and they hurt so bad that the only place left for them to turn is you. Hurt, pain, suffering can cause us to go back to God. Hebrews 12, 11 says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, 
It produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So God may be disciplining us. Second, one of the reasons God allows suffering and hurt is God is using us to influence others. And I believe this one is huge. I've seen it. Through pain and suffering, our witness is enhanced and validated, and people pay attention to our lives and our testimony. Job's testimony was powerful in his pain because he knew why he existed and why he lived. And we'll talk about this a little more in a moment, but he would say, I know that my Redeemer liveth. And he could go through everything that he was going through. Stephen Brown very wisely said, for every unbeliever who gets cancer, I believe, he said, the Lord allows a believer to get cancer so the world can see the difference. Think about that. Don't know if it actually happens that way, but the end result happens that way. You know, think about Mary. Mary, raise your hand. And we know the battle that she's experienced and continues to experience with a tumor and with cancer. But if you talk to her about it, she'll let you know who's in control. She'll let you know who's taking care of it, that God has her. God has her family. On the other hand, you talk to an unbeliever who's experiencing that, and you might not get that same kind of reaction. You probably won't get that same kind of reaction as to who's in control, but they will ultimately continue maybe to blame God instead of trust in God. I also think God allows suffering because God's maturing us. This is huge. David Jeremiah says it seems to be the universal testimony of those who suffer. It's a clarifying experience. Pain is a type of preparation like no other, allowing the unimportant to fall away and the critical to rise to the top. What really matters starts to matter. Moses was prepared for 80 years. 40 years in Egypt, 40 years in the wilderness before he was ever called into divine service for God. Why? Because I believe the younger Moses, without the pain, without the hurt, could have never been used by God like the older Moses was. There is a greater good that comes out of our suffering. I used to speak once a month at a women's prison when I was in North Carolina, I loved it. I could go in there and I'd have like 75 prisoners enter the room. And I was free to share with them whatever I wanted to share. But what happened is I grew more than my words or God's words through me could have ever enabled those women prisoners to grow because of the way they ministered to me. Yes, they're in prison, but man, could they speak truth. And I'll never forget, at the end of one of the times that I spoke to them, I had one of the lady prison, one of her companies, she came up to me, they form a line and they talked to me afterwards and she, she came up and she said, I gotta let you know something. I said, what's that? She went on to explain that coming to prison was the best thing that ever happened to her. 
being put in prison was the best thing that ever happened. I said, why is that? And she says, because here's where I met Jesus. This is where I finally met Jesus. And she says, the worst thing in my life became the best thing in my life. God, in his infinite wisdom, knows how suffering and hurt can mature us and make us into who he wants us to be. We just have to rely and stay steadfast on his promises that God is true. There's a song that we recently started learning that I want you to listen to this morning. And if you feel like singing along in a moment, go ahead, stand up, sing along because it draws you to your feet. But I want you to listen to it and reflect on the hurts, the suffering that might be present in your life right now. Reflect on the words, I put my faith in Jesus, my anchor to the ground, my hope and firm foundation. He'll never let me down. And then it shares the words, great is your faithfulness to me. Say it with me. Great is your faithfulness to me. One more time.
read Romans 8 28 earlier and we often make a mistake to and we read Romans 8 28 but we don't complete it with Romans 8 29 which explains at times why we suffer let's read this together Romans chapter 8 verses 28 and 29 together and we know Did you catch it? There's a natural progression that happens. As you survive the seasons of suffering and hurt in your life, God will continue to work in you and through you to conform to the likeness of the image of his son. Isn't that crazy? The more you suffer, the more pain you have, the more you reflect Jesus the more you look like him. And therefore, other people will be attracted to him 
through you. That's the ultimate reason. And can I tell you something more? Your pain and your suffering will either draw, drive you farther away from the Lord or closer to him and make you look more like him. That's the key. Job, in the middle of his suffering, in the middle of his hurt, in Job 19, 25, and 27, Job takes a stand, and this is what he says. I know that my Redeemer lives, and that in the end, he will stand on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, yet in my flesh, I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes, and I, not only, not another, how my heart yearns within me. Job's ultimate confidence was not in this world. Job's ultimate hope was not on this side of eternity. He says, I know that my redeemer lives and one day he's gonna have the final word. One day he will make all things right. That's God's plan of redemption. It doesn't happen here, guys. It happens in heaven. It happens in heaven where one day we'll be able to make every sense of it all. God's ultimate plan of redemption is not necessarily a happy ever after ending here on earth, but it's a happily ever after ending for all eternity. And that's what makes the difference. God wants to make all things right. God can and will restore. God can and will redeem. He will be back. And he will take all the broken pieces of our life, all the hurts that make no sense, and put them all back together again. And that's the invitation we give every single week here in this place. That you will bring all your broken pieces. You will take all your hurts straight to him and allow him to put you back together again. And remember this, before you come to Jesus Christ and receive his redemption, you don't have to have all the pieces put together. That's God's job. You come just as you are. Grace happens here through the power of Jesus Christ and you matter to God more than you could ever, ever humanly imagine. It's all right. Father, we thank you. We praise you, God. Even in the midst of the suffering that we face here on this earth, God, allow us to stay firm, stay true, realizing, God, that every day, even in our hurt and in our pain, we are being made to look more and more like Jesus. God, may the people in this world see that in us and be attracted to him. And God, if there's anyone here this morning that's hurting, God, that needs to talk, God, allow them to come up and let us pray with them. And Father, for those who have never accepted Jesus as their Lord, their Savior, God, allow them to come just as they are, broken pieces and all, and accept him today. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said,